together. Hold the Bible up and say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I, I will do what it says I can do. <laughs> See, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit from this moment forward. Say, I'll never be the same. Shout it out, never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big hand. Hey, Marty, bring me that table, would you? Amen. Just, I'm already tongue-tied. We're, we've been in the Spirit tonight, and in the presence of God, He's doing some great stuff. And uh, I just, you know, I'm just not even sure what I'm going to do next, but I'm going to use this table because Marty looked good bringing it to me. Give Marty a hand. Woo! <laughs> so we're going to have Super Bowl party here tomorrow. Amen. Big food, tailgating, all kinds of fun stuff. Make sure to come back out for that. Amen. Well, open your Bible tonight. Go to 2 Timothy 1.9. 2 Timothy 1.9, while you're turning there, I, I just want to seed your brain that you realize that you are in it to win it. Amen? We are in it to win it. Say that with me. In it to win it. One more time. In it to win it. We're not in this thing to get our hiney handed to us on a daily basis. Right? No, man, we're in this battle. We're going to win. Amen. You, you know, the guys tomorrow, isn't it crazy? Hundreds of thousands of people viewing this show tomorrow, this game, this, this Super Bowl game. Millions of people by television, but hundreds of thousands in person. Have you ever thought about it? 22 men on a field in desperate need of rest being watched by 130,000 people in desperate need of exercise. Something about that picture, guys. You know, hey, those guys that are on that field, they've, they, they're a different level of individual than the guys who didn't make it. He, you know, they play through the pain. There's something about them guys that, you know, with broken fingers and cracked ribs and dislocated shoulders, and they get down there and they just press through all that pain just to get into an end zone, just to get themselves a ring, just to get their name. Guys, what we are battling for is of so much greater value than a, than a Super Bowl ring. Man, this is awesome what God's allowed us to participate in and to bring Him glory. You might as well get your mind just riveted on the reality. You're in it to win it. And you're not going to mess around. Amen? The very first message uh, five years ago in just a couple of weeks, the very first message that I spoke to the garden was out of, off of this verse. It says, He who has saved us and called us, with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. He is he who has saved us and called us, saved us and called us, not according to works, but according to his purpose and his grace. Look at that. There's the saved us, the called us, the purpose for us, the grace to us. In the middle of salvation, which is where everything starts. Everything starts with being born again. And sandwiched between salvation and grace is calling and purpose. He has saved us. He has called us. He has purposed us. And he has graced us. And, you know, the Bible says that it's all about Christ. 
It was all in Christ before time began. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a long time. <laughs> in Colossians 1.17, put that one up for us real quick. We we're going to bounce around a little. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. Well, some of your translations say all things exist. He's, it's all about him. It's all about him. Really, you know, he saved us, he's called us, he's purposed us, he's graced us. It's really all about him and his purpose. See, he's, we've been called to his purpose. We're saved for his purpose. We're graced for his purpose. And everything exists in him. The word exist literally means to bring together, to hang together. To consist of. Everything consisted of him. He, he tied it all together. Matter of fact, when you take Jesus out of the picture, that's when things begin to fall apart. That's when things begin to, to lose traction. That's when life begins to suddenly have no real meaning and no real reason to pull you through the harder stuff. Because there's no Jesus, no Christ. It's all about him. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not about you. It's about him. How many are glad that's the truth? Not one of us. Come on, get real. We want it, we want it to be about me. Come on. It's got to be about me. I, I like the room a certain temperature. I, I like the music a certain style. I, 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 like, I like food. Uh, you know, hello? We, we are conditioned for us. Which is why it's so easy for the enemy to mess with us. Because he pulls us off track simply by getting us to think. Not even, you know, we're not talking about demonized thoughts like I'm going to go kill somebody or, 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 you know, I mean, you know, it just doesn't take that kind of thought. All it takes is you getting your mind wrapped around you and suddenly you're missing the entire point. It's about him. It's about him. I mean, can we agree tonight for at least for the next 28 minutes that it is about him? It's not about us. So anytime you make it about you, you're missing the mark. When you're missing the, par the mark, what are you doing? You're in sin. That, isn't that the definition of sin? To wander off the trail, to miss the mark. When we miss the point... We're living in sin. And then we want God to bless it. I do. I want it to be about me, and I want God to smile on it. And I'm learning that that's not why he saved me. That's not why he called me. That's not why he graced me. It's got to be about him. My finances are about him. My marriage is all about him. My family is all about him. My life and my health is all about him. My gifting is about him. My talents are about him. My worship has got to be about him. It's all about him. And if we can ever wrap our brain around this reality and get back to where we live for him, the God life's going to show up. That's where the God life's at. Jesus said in John 10, you, you know it. It says, I have come that you might have and enjoy 
Life in abundance to the top till it overflows. That life, that Zoe life. That Zoe life, man. That's God life. Jesus said, I came to connect you to God life. A life that will blow your mind. Most of us don't have a clue what God life is because we're so consumed with my life. Living my life will not get you in the end zone. You cannot win living life for you. Picture the track meet and you show up with your running shoes strapped on. And they tell you, you've got one through seven, lanes one through seven. You get to pick your lane because of your position and your level of royalty. Because you do know that you are kings and priests. And that God has given you authority to rule and reign. And you show up at the meet and you get to pick these. What, what lane do you, would you like to run in? By the way, lanes three through seven are already disqualified. You can't win in those lanes. Lanes one and two, you can't lose. What lane would you like to run in? Three. Why three? Because it's really close to my friends who are in four, five, and six. The guy in lane one is crawling. I know I can beat him. So you get in the starting block. The gun goes off. You leap out and you're going as fast as you can. You cross the finish line way ahead of the guy in lane one. You are feeling good. Then they tell you, you lose. Can't win in that lane. Well, that's not fair. So? I was so close to lane two. So? Deuteronomy 30.19 says, I've put in front of you life and death. Life and death, blessing and cursing, the ability to win and the ability to lose. I've set in front of you lanes one and two and lanes three, four, five, six, and seven. Choose lanes one or two. Choose life. Most of us live life for us. It's all about us. We're good people. We're nice people. We're not mean. And we, we don't really see ourselves absolutely conceited. But the reality is we live for us. So at the end of life, no matter how good you make it look, no matter how fast you seem, no matter how good you run, if you're in the wrong lane, you're still disqualified. You can't win living for you. We even go to God and attempt to tell Him what we think He should do in my life. Hello? We know what God should do. And we're more than happy to tell Him. Huh. Romans 8. Did I give you a Romans 8 scripture? Check it out. Those who think they can do it on their own 
end up obsessed with measuring their own moral muscle, but never get around to exercising it in real life. Those who trust God's actions in them find that God's Spirit is in them, living and breathing God. Obsession with self in these matters is a dead end. Attention to God leads us out into the open, into the spacious, free life. Focusing on the self is the opposite of focusing on God. Anyone completely absorbed in himself ignores God, ends up thinking more about himself than he does God. That person ignores, or that person ignores who God is and what he's doing. Look at verse 8. God's not pleased being ignored. To be carnally minded is death. Death isn't dead. Death is separation. To be spiritually minded is life. That's Zoe. And peace. Life and peace. There are some things that I think most of us want. Life and peace ought to be in that list. God life. God life. Not my life. God life. Not that I would live life consumed with my passion, my desire, my, my wants, but that I'd have a, an awareness of what God wants in my life because I'm living it for Him. It's not I, Paul said, that live, but it's Christ who lives in me. I have crucified my flesh. I'm not living for me any longer. So when God asks for something, He knows He's going to hear a yes from me. Because I'm not living my life anymore for me. I'm living it for Him. The only way to win is to live for Him. The enemy tells you that if you live for Him, you're going to lose. But we've forgotten that our enemy is a liar. He is a deceiver. And you're an idiot if you trust Him. You're a fool if you believe him. But here we are, hook, line, and sinker, convinced that God wants me to be happy. God don't really care about your happiness. He cares about your obedience. And your obedience will produce the happiness that carries you through the storms of life. Your enemy wants you to think that if you live for you, you'll get what you want. But if you live for God, it'll be a life of sacrifice. And it's absolutely 100% a lie. When you live for God, you have life and peace. When you live for yourself, you're separated from life and peace. Here's what happens. We go through life and we want that calling, that still small voice to whisper in our ear what we ought to do. We're under the impression that it's mysterious. Sometime you should do a word study on the word calling. Or maybe just use common sense. When you're calling your children... In from play into dinner, do you step outside and go, Evan? Evan? No, when I'm calling my children, I'm, Evan! I have to do that when we're just like this, too. 
I lay in my bed. I yell, Evan! He comes to my room, goes to my fridge, gives me a pop, gives it to me. Thank you. <laughs> the real life stories of Pastor Dub and Evan. Calling isn't quiet. Calling is a loud shout. Calling is what you do. Purpose is what you love. Oh, hang with me for just a few minutes. See, tonight I, I, I want to I help you win. Because you're in it to win it. You, you're not in it to get beat up on a daily basis. You're in it to win it. So how do I get into the end zone? How do I score for the kingdom? Well, you don't be deceived by the enemy. But you live according to God's plan. You live God's will for your life. God's will for your life. Look at Colossians 1, 9 and 10 real quick. Check this out. This is what we're praying from the day we heard of it, we've not ceased to pray and make special requests for you, asking that you might be filled with the full, deep, and clear knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God, and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things, that you might walk, live, and conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, and desiring to please Him in all things, bearing fruit in every good work, and steadily growing and increasing in and by the knowledge of God. This is our prayer, that you would understand God's will... For your life, God's call on you, that you would be able to embrace it, not have it stolen from you by an enemy who's really good at playing tricks on people who aren't staying alert. What is my calling? What is my purpose? See, there's a difference. Your calling is really what you do. What are you good at? What's producing increase for you? It's feeding you and your family. It's what you do. Your purpose is what you love. It's what motivates you to go through another day of what you just considered to be a hellacious activity. I don't want to repeat that. But I will. Because I want my life to make a difference. See, the enemy wants you to... Neglect your calling. He wants you to think that what you do doesn't matter. But you've got to realize that what you do is actually going to help you produce what's in your heart. If you negate where you are, you'll develop a habit that you'll carry with you in life. And then when you get to where you're going, you'll also devalue that. I want to remind you that there were people in the times of Christ, both... Believers, non-believers, Jews, Pharisees, Sadducees, those people. Remember, they were looking for a Messiah. But when Jesus was there in their present, they couldn't wrap their mind around it being the Christ. He's not the Christ. They're still waiting. Why? Because often where we are, we can't see. Because we're so focused on where we want to go. We miss out on what God's doing. Look at this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. 
I love this verse. He has made, who's he? God. Come on, only 14 minutes left. He has made God. God has made everything. Everybody say everything. What does that include? Everything. Everything. He has made everything beautiful. There's my word. How are you? Beautiful? Old ladies laugh. How you doing? I say beautiful. Old ladies laugh. <laughs> you should say handsome. Have you done a word study on handsome? I'd rather be beautiful. <laughs> the word beautiful means extraordinary of its kind, marvelous in thought and speech. Extraordinary of its kind. Marvelous in thought and speech. God has made everything extraordinary of its kind. Think for just a minute. God's made everything extraordinary. Why would we settle for my life when God life is an extraordinary life? We're settling for an ordinary life when an extraordinary life is right there. Why would we be separated from that? Well, because we're not really bright. We think that we're going to lose when we connect to God. No, you're going to gain extraordinary. Look, he's made everything extra or extraordinary in its time. In other words, where you are, if it's not extraordinary, you must not be done there yet. Because everything God's made is extraordinary in its time. Everything God's made. Everything. He has made everything. Look, He has also put eternity in their hearts. Except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. Look at the same verse. Look at it with me in the Amplified. I think we got it. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also planted eternity in men's hearts and minds. A divinely implanted sense of purpose. A divinely implanted sense of purpose working through the ages which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. There's something inside of you that nothing except God can satisfy that's pulling you into the future and the hope that he's carved out for you. And the enemy, if he cannot prevent you, he will promote you. If he can't get you to, to, to live in poverty, he'll give you just enough prosperity that you don't have the character. You kill yourself with it. If he can't get you to hang back, he'll push you out before you've developed what it takes to be out there and you'll die out there. Why? Because he wants to keep your eyes off of where you are. He wants you to devalue the position in life that you're at right now. So that you won't gain everything that God has made beautiful there. You'll hate the game because you're focused on getting to the end zone. Wait a minute, right here is something that you need. Right where you are, I guarantee you, right where you are, there are some things that God needs you to open up your eyes and see, embrace, receive into your life. And if you can't receive where you are, a promotion isn't going to help you. If you can't receive where you are, you know, a, a new home is not going to make you feel like a family. If you can't receive what God has for you right where you are, if you don't know peace now, it's not because of your possessions. 
It's because of your mindset. Because if you're focused on God, you have life and peace. Ought to be an indicator for us. It's kind of like those... What, what do we decide they are called? Those things on the side of the highway, Jeremy? What are they called? Braille. You know when you're driving down the highway and you get off to the edge and, it, and what's that do? It wakes you up, so you, you pull back onto the road, right? Right. And coming home from Spokane one one time, I'd gone up to visit Pastor Sharkey, and on the way home, uh, it was a whiteout. It was a blizzard. You couldn't see in front of you at all. I was driving the stealth, so I was that far off the road. The snow's coming right at me. It's absolutely white. Could see nothing. So what I did was, is I got on the edge of the road so that I could hear those things all the way home. And if I ever got off of them, I moved around till I found them because I was driving blind, and I needed the braille. That's what God's put along the highway of life for you. So that when you begin to lose your peace, you feel the brrrr, and now you know you're getting off into the carnal side. Not being led by the Spirit. To be led by the Spirit, to be spiritually minded is life and peace. That's the center of the highway. To be carnally minded is to be on the other side of the braille, in the ditch, lost control. The enemy knows that if he can get you messed up in the realm of calling and purpose, he can get you off the road. See, calling has to do with the the right now, the real world, the get up, get out of bed world. Where purpose is out there. And it's what I lay in bed and dream about. Oh, the dream. Calling has to do with that which is extremely familiar to me. It demands discipline. But purpose is distant and mysterious. We tend to romanticize the thing that we love. You know, when Joseph shared his dream with his brothers... Isn't it odd that he didn't include being thrown into a pit, being sold into slavery, and going to prison? Because that wasn't part of the dream. The dream's always the good parts. I'm going to rule and reign, and you will bow down to me. I am not a crook. The dream doesn't have a lot of the ingredients that... Calling does. The enemy knows that if he can keep you focused on the dream and not alive and aware in the present to deal with your calling, that you won't actually fulfill calling. You'll just dream dreams. You'll create habits so that when you finally get your dream, it's not a dream, that's a nightmare. Because you don't have what it takes to be alert and awake with calling. Calling seems ordinary and really about you quite often. When in your mind, purpose is noble. And about others. And God surely would want me to live my life for others. But you're trying to get there to fulfill your desires.
So the enemy's sabotaging your purpose by allowing you to underestimate the value of your calling. We're in it to win it. Our calling has great expectations and pressure. Our purpose doesn't come with those. No one's making me do something. No, no one's putting the press on me. And so we tend to want to reach for where we're not so we can forget where we are at. And because where we're at is where God's put us, the only place to be effective for the kingdom is here. Not someplace I'm not. How are you going to win? You're going to deal with where you are. You don't need to ask God to translate you from where you are to a nice white sandy beach where they have drinks with umbrellas in them. You would need to ask God, what would please you where I am? What can I do that will impress you, God, in the situation I'm standing in? Right here is where I want my next victory. Right here. Right where I'm at. Matter of fact, I want to make it hard for promotion to occur. For increase. Why? So that when it comes, everyone around me says, that was God. That's God. There's something in me that gets me up in the morning. A divinely implanted sense of purpose. That I know that my life is going to make an insane difference. But I also know that it won't happen if I don't handle right where I'm at, right what I'm doing, the way God's intended me to handle it. I guess what I want to say to you tonight is that what God's doing in you is bigger than you think. It's greater than you'll ever know. Ecclesiastes, again, put that up for me. Check this out. And I think we got the Amplify. Let's do that one. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He's planted eternity in men's hearts and minds, divinely implanted a sense of purpose, working through the ages, which nothing under the sun but God alone can satisfy. Yet men cannot fathom what one translation says. Men cannot understand. They cannot see. They can't find out. They can't discern what God is doing and what he's done from the beginning to the end. We have a hard time wrapping our heart and mind around what God's doing right now. We know where he's calling us to. We know where he's called us from. But we have a hard time seeing him actually use where I'm at for good. See, there's something in us that pulls us into our future. But don't let anything rip from your grip the reality that right where you are, God has a plan. And his plan is not just to relocate you. His plan is to allow you to know insane victory on the trail that you're currently standing upon. That right here today, your marriage doesn't have to end in disaster. Life can come up right where you're at. Right where you are financially, God can bless you right where you are. 
You don't, you don't have to travel off and do something different. No, He can bless you right where you are. That joy can be your strength today in the middle of the circumstance that has you drained. If you connect to God life, joy can be yours right here. You don't have to join another team. You don't have to be, you know, traded off or become the manager. No, all you got to do is connect to, to him. That's what you got to do. You got to connect to him. Be spiritually minded. Don't let the enemy, don't let the enemy make you think that you can't have what God promised you right where you're at. There's healing here. There's hope for you right where you are. There's future. All you got to do is open your heart door and allow it to come in. You're in it to win it. If you're in the right lane, you can't lose. So get in the right lane. Get your mind on God. Quit living every day for you. Ask God to remind you when that decision was about you. I'm learning to pray right now, Father, what would please you? There are times I think I already know the answer, and I'm amazed at how many times I'm wrong. One more quick story. Remember Moses? God comes to him, and he's talking to him about where he's going to take him. And Moses says, who am I? How are you going to do that with me? I'm a man of slow speech. I, 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 I have trouble with words. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not your guy. And he couldn't see any hope in where God was going to use him. But yet there was something on the inside of him. Just from that one word, just from that seed that caused him to make th- through a tremendous a lot uh, a tremendous amount of chaos and struggle and we know that he led millions of people millions of people surely there are things that God has told us that we th- don't really quite believe yet we don't know how he's going to do it but can we just wrap our heart around the reality that right where we are is where God wants to meet us Right where your feet are. That's the place God wants to introduce himself into your environment. Today. Here. Now. Amen? Will you bow your head and close your eyes? I just want to pray with you.